Welcome back to another episode of Free the Geek with me, Matthew Setter. It's the podcast about growing software development skills and building a rewarding software development career. In this week's episode, I'm talking with my friend Stu Herbert about so, so many different things. A very lively discussion, but I guess the key takeaway for this episode to listen out for is about software code reviews. There's loads more comparing Java and PHP using search engines before Google. I know you're going to love it. I'm sure you're going to get a lot out of it. And cue the intro music. If you want to learn the essentials of developing and deploying applications with Docker Compose, especially if you've been struggling to figure out what you need to know while Googling, searching Stack Overflow, and various other forums, then you'll love Deploy with Docker Compose. It's a free book and course that teaches you the essentials of building images and deployment configurations, tagging images, and pushing them to remote container registries, how to debug applications running inside containers, how to debug containers when they don't work as expected, and how to deploy your application to a production environment or any other environment using Docker Compose. Now, it doesn't cover every possible Docker command, nor does it go absolutely super duper deep in depth about anything that you could know. It just covers the essentials that you need to know so that you can deploy your first application with confidence. And you also get a host of supporting information, tips, tricks, and pointers to help you out when you get stuck. Check it out today at deploywithdockercompose.com. I mean, from my point, a lot of my later career has been built around being able to do this kind of thing with customers mm. because I've, I've been fully remote since before the pandemic. I mean, I've had to up my game uh, mm -hmm. during the pandemic a lot, um, but being able to do high quality presentations to remote customers mm -hmm. is a big part of what my business does now. Oh, really? Yeah. You started a new role recently, is that? I've started a new contract, yes. Contract, okay. Yeah. And, and so is it sort of dev and customer relations? It's definitely not customer relations. It's entirely dev. Okay. But people hire someone like me, not just because of the amount of code I can ship, mm -hmm. but also the way I can transfer knowledge. Uh, okay. Because they're not hiring me to fill a seat because they, they can't find a permit. Yep. are hiring me for my specialist skills and experience. And part of that is me helping them understand how to improve the quality of their engineering and also how to tackle things that they don't know how to do as well. Okay. So there's like a lot of communication as, as part of that. It's a big part of what I do now. Yeah. Is it mostly like, like video, like we're having now or uh, email as well or? Oh, definitely not email. It's, it's, it's normally video. So it can be workshops. It can be small presentations. It can just be one-on-one -on -one pairing. 
Um, I mean, pairing is very important. I mean, not just people think about pairing for coding, mm-hmm. but have you ever done a, a PR review by pairing? I don't think so. No. So for the benefit of your listeners who may not know what we're talking about there, we're talking about on something like GitHub where you raise a pull request mm-hmm. and then send it to someone else to be reviewed. And normally what happens is that's an asynchronous operation and you wait for someone to give you feedback. Mm-hmm. And then when you've got time, you look at that feedback and sometimes you'll change your code, but sometimes you'll go back to that to the reviewer and say, I don't understand what you mean or I think you've misunderstood. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons pull requests can get a reputation for taking quite a period of time to do. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're doing it asynchronously. But if you can, if you get two people to do it synchronously, so I raise, I raise a pull request and I send it to you, and then we sit on a video call and go through it together, mm-hmm. we can communicate in real time. Do, do you find that, because I get a bit nervy when people look at my code, I always have, even though I've been writing in some form for long enough, you know, the hair kind of keeps <laughs> it away. You are um, more silver than me, although I think I'm older. <laughs> oh, silver, I oh, should see behind. This is good because I'm sort of going from Gandalf the Great to Gandalf the White. Oh, right. Yeah. The, it, it, <laughs> to segue so, so broadly from, from the topic of conversation there. Yeah. It all started back here as well. I always dreamed if it was going to happen, it would go here in the temples. Yeah. Um, but no, it went here. So I found out from the kids at school behind me because it happened when I was 14. It started. Oh, wow. And they said, dude, you got gray hair. I was like, oh, no. It's like, that's <laughs> great. And I'm in grade 10 or 11. Um, yeah, no, but then I had this photo from behind me and all here is white. And I was wow. like, when did that happen? Because <laughs> I don't, you know, stand in the mirror and just get a mirror behind me. Yeah. You know, it's not like. No, it's just something nothing does. No. And so, yes. But so, yeah, allowing for the slightly gray hair, segueing right back to where you were. How did I segue onto that? Oh, yeah, a bit older. That was yeah. it. Um, now, I've always been a bit, okay, very kind of nervy. But do you find that just sort of being there breaks the ice and have someone be like less concerned or is that not even an issue? I don't know, really. Um, I don't, I, if it's an issue, it's not something I've noticed with people. Even... In previous roles where I've been hiring and coaching juniors, etc., um, people, I guess I've been very lucky. I've been very lucky. I've been working with people who are hungry, who want to learn, mm-hmm. and who have, I think the right phrase to do it is a degree of psychological safety in the organization. Oh, yeah. Organizations where, yes, everything's got to get done and there are deadlines and all the rest of it, but also a management team that understands people are human. Mm-hmm. Your output varies from day to day. Your quality varies from day to day. And that's, that's, you know, that's life. And so I've not, it's not a problem I've run into, but I don't know. I mean, I, I've done PRs. Christ, when did I, I mean, my first PR I raised would have been in 96, well before we had things like GitHub. So 96. It's, yeah. It's not a, it's not a new practice. Is it, was, was it referred to as a PR back then? Um, they were referred to as reviews, but they weren't, they weren't pull requests because we didn't have that terminology. Yeah. Cause I'm only aware of that specific term or then was it GitLab with merge requests since Git and that yeah. was 
When was that? Late? 2008, 2009, something like that. Certainly, I think certainly by 2010, something like that. But I remember using C CVS and SVN and there were like code reviews. Yeah. But I don't remember, going back a while now, how we sort of, I don't remember kind of being like a, like, like a pull request per se, but you still did a review on a branch or something, I think. If yeah. Memory serves. I mean, we certainly did that back in 96. I mean, I'm, I'm old enough to have worked in the pre-web industry. Hmm. And so what we would do back then is we would actually have three reviews before your code would be accepted. The first mm -hmm. stage was to have you solved the problem. The second stage was, are you testing it correctly? And then the third stage was to look at both the code and the test together once you've done everything, just yeah. to one final sanity check to make sure you hadn't missed anything off mm -hmm. and introduced any, any, any obvious problems before it shipped. We were doing that back in 96. So, Because I guess decent code would would always be reviewed anyway like it's just maybe the the formal way in which it's done changes with the course of time but conceptually you're still doing the same thing like getting a second third set of eyes to just spot problems depends where you work these days there is a definitely a strong movement against any form of review there is yeah there's definitely a movement about um i mean it, it's an offshoot of the sort of the trunk-based development community yeah where you where you're developing against the trunk or master or main um, as it is now, um, yeah. merging back into that sometimes twice a day, mm -hmm. where the idea of doing a pull request review is seen as a bottleneck. That's a fair point. I never actually stopped to consider that. Maybe I've also just been fortunate in where I've been, but I get if you were sh shipping multiple times a day, yeah. If you did a review, you'd have to be shipping like really tiny changes. I think to ship twice a day, you've got to be shipping tiny changes anyway. Yeah, because you, you just wouldn't have much time to really look at it to keep up that cadence. Yeah, but I've, I'm lucky that a lot of my career has not been in tech bro type startups. I, I have done that. I have mm -hmm. done that. I can't, my hands aren't clean, yeah. as it were. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of my work has been in regulated industries. Ah, uh, okay. And in regulated industries, change control is far more important. That is someone I knew back in Australia. I worked at a company called Virgin Blue, which is now Virgin Australia, the second largest airline there. Mm -hmm. um, and a number of the Java devs there, I think, came from Boeing, if memory serves. And they said everything was checked, like, I, I think, three to four times. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of, in those days, I would just often react without thinking about it. And I said, what? And they said, what happens if something goes wrong? Oh yeah, plane falls out of sky. Bad things, bad things. I said yes, and not all of them, but a number of them were sort of quite sagely, and you could see it was it was just <laughs> how they were. It's like no, no, you don't just shove stuff out. Like yeah, it's finished. Clack, enter, bye bye. They said everything got checked in an what they said felt like an inordinate amount of times. Yeah, this was very very structured. They said there wasn't ship it fast. It was you have to be thorough, and you just everything was looked at. And that was different to, I, th I think when I worked there, it was, it wasn't like a bro thing. We were all mates and stuff, but yeah, I'm, I've worked with people who worked at places um, who it's just, oh, you just got to get it done. You say, but what about like reviewing it? And you just get this look of what Yeah. What would you do that for? Or some, to be fair, would say, I, I haven't got time for that. If yeah. I do that, I'll get shot as it yeah. were. Well, I mean, part of that is, I mean, one of the things I've seen, I mean, I joined the industry in 94. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I started off writing code that was being used by people like NASA and being used by universities, including uh, your, the Australian Weather Service as well. They were using some of my code. And Sorry, can I get that last 10 seconds? Yeah, yeah sorry. It was, it was uh, NASA and then it... And I was also, and this, this, this open source code was also being used by things like the Australian Weather Service. Wow. Yeah. So what it did, it was a control system for controlling software. Yeah. Back in the day, a Unix machine was the size of a fridge freezer, an American yeah. fridge freezer. So uh, time sharing on those was still very much a thing. And I was hired by a university to clean up this code that managed long running uh, computations that ran on these Unix boxes. And the code couldn't crash because if the code crashed, the calculations had to be restarted. And sometimes these calculations could take up to two months. So I'm, I'm, that, I'm sorry, come again? Yeah, that's how that's that's the world I wow. started in. Note to the audience, I'm sitting here completely in awe. Um, it's just a okay. different world yeah. back then. Just a different world. That's all. Wow. Um, so, I mean, code back. Yeah. So code like then had to be zero defect or as much as you could get it. So did you study like like computer science or yeah i'm a qualified you... software engineer i have a degree in software engineering okay no i was just kind of curious because mm. i'm also just curious as to, as to the number of people over the years touch over mid 40 let's not say how much of a touch um and some say that yeah they they studied computer science or whatever it was particularly called at, at that point others were like came from biology or just all manner of different fields. I'm, I'm just honestly just curious. Yeah. So in the late eighties in the UK, the main way there was two ways into the industry. You, if you were you, if you were self-taught, you could get into games programming. Um, but you, that was that was a very competitive market. But for general business, you had, you had a degree. So okay. you, uh, I mean, the degree I studied at the end, you could qualify as a computer scientist or a software engineer, and I chose software engineering because that that more reflects my approach to the subject. I'm more of an engineer than a okay. scientist uh, or computer scientist. Anyway, uh, my, okay. my argument is, is engineering is applied science. That's my argument. <laughs> uh, wow. That's cute. That, that's yeah. honestly fascinating because it's always the kind of things that I've always been kind of in awe of and uh, kind of wish my, my path in a way had gone differently. It kind of gone more like that. It, it, it went as it went and yeah, no, just hearing it's just fascinating. And like the Australian weather service, so a little bit of a, you know, yeah. Close connection ish for me. Yeah, it was. It was uh, yeah, it was free software. I mean, open source didn't really exist back then. Oh, oh, I mean, the yes, the BSD license was around, but the the whole open source term. I mean, when was that coined? Let me look that up. When did Eric coin that? Yeah, I mean, open source didn't exist till ninety seven, arguably. What in terms of like mainstream appreciation of it? Or oh no, the term. What the term? The um the OSI. Yeah, the uh, yeah the open source definition, according to the history page on oh, the okay. opensource.org, uh, was approved as formal policy by the Debian community in 1997. So it's relatively so modern. So the formal definition of the term, or the yeah the the yeah okay. yeah the formal definition of the term, and before then we just we just called it free software with a capital F because you had freeware you had freeware mm. which was software that you could run but you didn't have the source code to. And then you had free software with software that you actually got the source code to. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, it's a completely different world. Completely different world to today. Well, I I got into Linux by accident in 97, 98. Cool. I'll just say that I was at, at the end 
just before Red Hat 6.1. Uh-huh. That kind of roughly puts me at a, it was pre-2000. Um, and I'd not really spent a lot of time prior to that kind of in, I'd used computers as a, as a little kid. I was sort of just coming back to it. I'd started uni in 96, I think. So I would have been, no, no, it would have been late 97 then if that's the case, because it was in my first year. Um, because I bought <laughs> much to my parents' uh, frustration. I insisted on buying myself a computer. I had to borrow five grand for a computer. Wow. Uh, and it was, well, for the day, it was fine enough, but it wasn't good. It had Windows 95A on it. Uh-huh. I'd use Windows 3.3, 3, 3.1 and 1.1 or something. 3.11. Sorry? You had, three, you had Windows 3.1 and Windows 3.11. Those were the two big ones. And I think because like dad had, where he worked, they had computers and that was just kind of everywhere, at least in the, in the town I lived in. Um, and I bought myself a new one and Windows 95A was a shiny one. And so there was just an absolute ocean that I didn't know. Now it's more, now it's a slightly smaller ocean, but it's still an ocean. And this thing crashed incessantly. I, yeah. uh, I, I'd learned to touch type at school and we had to write a lot of assignments at, at uni. Um, it was just assignment kind of paralysis. Would you call it assignment paralysis? Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I typed with one hand. I, I typed with my right hand and had control S with my left hand yeah. because it crashed that often. And the auto save in Word, because that's what I was using, wasn't exactly, it was a weird auto save because it would save some things, but then it wouldn't save other things. And so out of sheer frustration, I, um, I'd, I'd taken this computer back to this fellow that I bought it from. It was a local person so many times. And I think he just hated the thought of me even turning up saying, it must be you. And I'm like, well, I'm just turning it on and it just blue screens. I learned what the blue screen of death was really quickly. <laughs> and I just said to a friend, who was kind of my, cra- I, we're still mates to this day. He's a wonderful senior network admin somewhere in Canberra in Australia, I think. And he was always, he was my alternative kind of computer friend. If there was something different, um, he always kind of knew about it or knew someone. I'll say alternative, like not the straight up, go to a shop, buy it off a shelf. He would be like, have you ever tried this? Anyway. And I said, this thing sucks. It's, it's just broken. I've taken it back. You know, I just had a rant to him one day. And he said, you tried Linux. No, 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 no. It didn't work that way. I looked in the paper and it said all these jobs. I looked for, I looked because job ads were in the paper in those days. Um, there was no seek or, or, or various other websites as you well would, would know. And there was this, and I kept seeing Linux. I thought anything other than windows at this point was kind of my mantra. And I, so, so I talked to my mate, said, dude, there's something called Linux and you'd have to know about it. Cause if anybody does, you do. And he said, he's like, yep. I said, can you put it on my computer? Sure can. And he came around and he said, put it on. And then he said, good luck with it. Got to go. Catch you later. And he left. And <laughs> The, I, I used GNOME because that was what was a Red Hat default install. I don't, I've lost track of Red Hat over the years and yeah. they do. Um, but the, what do you call it? Like the, 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 and the nomenclature is also, well, the terminology is a bit fuzzy on me as well. The, like the, the bar at the bottom, which had like the big GNOME foot. Okay. Yeah. That, sorry. They called those panels, I believe. Panels. Well, it, yeah, that sounds that sounds right to me. That was 
about 75 to 80% of the size of the screen, like the, sorry, on, on the vertical, the, the panel was about 75% of the, of the, of the vertical and the foot, because I, I just before I'd installed Linux, uh, I'd had, I bought a new Intel graphics card uh -huh. on, and it was supported by nothing. Not like, not as in like install what driver, da, 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 or, I, I'm flaky on how I actually installed the driver, and I and I got a friend around, and he knew less than I did. And we were just sort of both standing, going, "What do we do? What do we do?" And something about it, I just started doing some reading, and it's I think that was kind of what spawned my love of it, and I've more or less stuck with it ever since. Was I got reading about okay, well, well video, how does how does that work? And they said video drivers and there's custom drivers, da da. And I said, but if I put it, surely there'd have to be some kind of fallback generic driver. And maybe it could not, it could use like the generic aspects of it and just not use any more custom functionality or yeah. something like that. And somehow, yeah, just did some, I was going to say did Googling, but no, I don't think I did. Not in that day. I did some Yahooing or I don't know. AltaVista. It would have been AltaVista back then. I was going to say, yeah, or whatever the search engine of the day was. Hmm. I think that's what I did. Or in chat groups or something and somehow or other found the generic driver or something removed the existing one and then learned what symlinks were and put the generic one in or something and then just restarted the computer and went it just and it worked because awesome. it wasn't a flash card and i wasn't doing anything particularly i wasn't running games or anything hmm. but then i didn't either have enough initiative or pursue enough knowledge to get it to, to like create a script or something to, to, to do that every time. So anytime I reinstalled it for whatever reason, because I'd broken it, which wasn't uncommon for me, I had to do the same thing again. But it was from then, and then you could sit there and say, well, now I'm going to install this. And I think, yeah, it was, what'd you do? You, you did RPM I or something. There was no yum or apt or anything. Yeah, it had been RPM back then. But it was, yeah, you get the RPM file hmm. and install that one and then, go through the well you need this one so okay i'll download that one from that mirror and stuff but then you'd look and you'd see was it um all the, the the software compilers you get and i went i can just download this stuff oh this is cool because i was used to what was i doing uh the people i talked to at uni it was just microsoft all the way and whatever that's just how they were but it was you can get the basics and anything you had to if you wanted something extra well you had to buy like 50 bucks for that $25 for that. And here I am standing going, I just download that. Oh, this is really cool for a uni student with like next to no money who worked yeah. at the, the local supermarket to have a bit of spare cash. I thought, this is fantastic. <laughs> and it's just stuck ever since. Awesome. But yeah, no, I, I, I can't say my career was quite as, quite as notable. I, I through this really random, weird friend friend acquaintance i'll say acquaintance because i didn't actually really know him he somehow or other scored me a job at an engineering firm where i was the only specific programmer i was so wet behind the ears um and what was i doing they had me doing basic sysadmin very basic and visual basic on visual basic six on microsoft access it was ah mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that was, that was, that were interesting times. Um, and 
the boss literally just turned up to my desk one day. I was a very, very nervous young man. And he said, have you heard, have you heard anything about PHP and MySQL? And I said, I think we've played it my, with MySQL at uni. Oh, actually, I was still at uni. And PHP vaguely, I think I heard something about it. Good, you're it. And, um, what, what does that mean, <laughs> please? He said, well, you're the, new, <clears throat> you're the new hire and no one else wants to touch it. So you're on. Went, oh. No one else wants to touch it. <laughs> no, no one wanted to. Oh, I, made yeah. a, I made an absolute ham fist to this thing. But um, there I was with, with the book on MySQL 3.2 and PHP 3.1 or something like this. Going, what the hell do I do? And this connects with that. And I spend more time. If he ever listens to this, he probably hates me anyway, but whatever. Oh, I spent more time just fiddling because it was such a like, oh, you can do this, you can do that. That's really cool. Oh, well. And I think my immediate boss kind of sat over this petition from me and he just kept hearing cool and oh, well, so many times. He said, what are you actually doing there? Working? <laughs> and just the boss looked at me and I'm like, I think his priorities and mine are not the same thing either. And I, I'm guessing if I want to stay here, mine have to change. Right. <laughs> it's the first time I've been that honest, actually. <laughs> I usually pretend with that story and gloss over it and tell a different version. But uh, yes. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I mean, so I... Got... On ne... Yeah, sorry. Sorry. I was going to say, now I'll never get a job again after someone hears me say all that. <laughs> Good job you've already got one then. <laughs> that's true. That's very true. Marcus, if you're listening, don't fire me, okay? <laughs> I work hard for you. <laughs> yeah i was i was going to say how i got into php was uh, via mm -hmm. a very different route okay. um i was working for a major british uh telecoms company at the time and we'd built uh we were starting to build up, uh, online self-service portals for customers to help mm -hmm. uh cut down on hiring more and more call center staff so that we could launch we could launch new products without overwhelming the staff we already had oh. um especially as back then uh hiring more staff, you had to have somewhere to put them in a call center. So yeah. your physical buildings were a major limitation. And mm -hmm. this entire system was built in Java and server-side JavaScript back well before Node existed. Wow. And okay. it had actually been built by a prominent American company that no longer exists. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to name them, but- uh, <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I promise you it's a company uh, anyone who uses web browsers has heard of, and I'll leave it at that. Right. And this entire system was so unstable. Uh, I, it was built before I arrived at the place, and I, I ended up being the manager in charge of it all on a day-to-day -day basis. I had day-to-day -day responsibility for it. And it was so unstable. At one point, we were going around and rebooting the servers every 15 minutes because early Java, or, uh, the early JVM, was it's nothing like how it is today. It was absolutely terrible. And wow. I remember spending a very hot, I think it was an August bank holiday. It was definitely a bank holiday uh, weekend. It might have been August because it was really hot. Mm -hmm. um, I was there with our entire source code. By then, Sun owned all of the, all of the software that this browser, X, this browser company had built. They'd, uh, they now owned all that software. Uh, and they sent out one of their senior engineers with all their source code. So we had the entire source code of everything to hand and the two of us could not stop it crashing. And at that point, that's when I started looking around for something that wasn't going to crash, it would be more reliable. Mm -hmm. 
And that's how I uh, really got into PHP. I'd used PHP before um, and then forgotten about that. Uh, but this is how I got into it um, as more as a full-time professional. I was like, I need something that's going to work. Mm-hmm. And even back then, I mean, that was, was it PHP 4 or the last days of PHP 3? I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, it was certainly no later than PHP 4. And, you know, it was very reliable. And it, you know, that's how I got into it. I left that place and then I've done PHP for a lot, a lot of the time since. That really, in, in so many ways, is, that's a reference that flies in, in stark contrast to the, the general thing I hear. Oh, well, Java, you are enterprise. You are a real developer, all these things. I'm not to say that it, it is admittedly extrapolating this one example across an entire language and industry. So I appreciate a, a bit of how this may come across. But just how you sort of phrased it, saying, you know, the, the quality of the JVM at the time and of the code of said uh, unnamed company. Um, <laughs> I can't laugh, but you think, hmm, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if. And, and they said, I want to find something more stable because it's, it, it is often, how many times do you hear about, was it like PHP? There was the, the double-headed claw hammer or whatever the reference is. Oh, okay. Oh, you're right, PHP. Well, when you want to be a big developer and put your big boy pants on or big girl, well, you use Java or da da da. And here, like the complete opposite with a with a really good use case is yeah. is, is a rare thing for me to hear. I have used uh, PHP on large projects, not Facebook large, but I've used it on large projects, and I can't remember the last time I submitted a bug against the PHP engine. It, it it works. It works really really well, and you can trust it and rely on it. That's reassuring. Like, so then, then I guess as, as the last question, at least for me for, for this session, as yeah. we kind of wind down to a close, is, is that being the case and that you wouldn't be the only person to have that experience? How did, I guess, kind of, I'm then curious as to how the reputations went completely counter or is it marketing budget or, or. I'm not aware of what exactly. I'm not aware of Sun and or- and then Oracle marketing actively against PHP. I've not seen that myself. So on that score, I don't, I can't comment. My, if I had to guess, I would say it's possibly because the, it's the community and the fact that with PHP, anyone can pick it up and learn it. And so people do. Mm-hmm. People come into the PHP community without any sort of formal background in programming, any sort of formal training. Whereas with Java, you've you know people who do it have normally come from a school or something people come from in java the the entry routes are they're more formal fair yeah fair point. um so yeah i think that's that's possibly the main thing is where php the majority of people in the community their entry routes are anything but formal i mean yeah, it's... i can't remember i don't i can't remember the last time i was on a php project and there was and there was another qualified software engineer in the room with, with me. I can't remember the last time that happened. It's been uh, it's been a long time. But yeah, I think I think that's what it is. I think it's to do with that people. A lot of the people in, who've come into the Java community have um, because they've gone through a formal entry point. Perhaps that's part of the attitude. I don't know. You'd have to ask someone in the Java community, really. All right, I'm ask a couple after yeah. after the next uh, call that I've got today. I'll just start asking around. Yeah. And just find all, see if I can get some, what feedback I get. 
but at that point um i guess we'll yeah kind of bring it to a close um as as i do i always just hand it over to that end to say if there's anything and you mentioned the youtube channel uh when we were sort of setting up the, the session but if there's that and anything you'd like to i don't know just talk about uh, i don't really have anything to plug i'll plug the youtube channel i don't really have anything else so uh if you search for gambaro digital on youtube you'll see that i've been recording all the talks that i was doing since the start of 2017 so and those that you know there's video and audio there including uh, question and answer sessions from the audience as well and they're all up there and uh, you know, one of the reasons i'm talking to you today is i'm testing my new microphone because mm -hmm. we were geeking out before we started recording <laughs> uh because i'm you know i'm going to be going back to that very shortly cool all right good well uh I'll, I'll have a look for for the uh for the channel but thanks very much for for your time and the chat and that was cool my pleasure thank you for inviting me on and that's a wrap for this episode you can find more about anything you've heard in today's episode by going to freethegeek.fm that's freethegeek.fm if you've enjoyed the episode, I'd love it if you'd give it a rating on your podcast platform of choice. Alternatively, please leave a comment in the episode discussion. I'd love to know what you think, what you thought was good, what could do with a bit more work, etc, etc. Otherwise, I'll see you next time.